We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When it's too tough for them, it's just right for us. Where would you rather be than right here, right now? The Rock Pile Report with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. Bills make me wanna. Well, we sent him home. You know, he broke a team rule, and Sean and I are. Um, you know, we're going to do things the right way. Everybody, players, coaches, staff, everybody's got a, a level of expectation. And he didn't meet that, so uh, he won't be on the sidelines tonight. It's very disappointing. Any player uh, that you have to send home, this is not the norm. This is not what you're looking for. Um, obviously, a guy with his contract status, you would hope that he would be a better leader than that. And hopefully he learns from it and moves on and, and continues to be a Buffalo Bill. Welcome to another edition of the Rock Bell Report Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Gear, Buffalo Bills season ticket holder. To my right is my producer, Chris Krueger. And that was Brandon Bean talking about the, uh, I don't know, 325-pound elephant in the room that has become Marcel Darius. Darius, you're killing me. Smalls, you're killing me. (laughs) We're going to get into all this stuff in a minute. First and foremost, I want to say, did anybody else out there watch the fight this weekend? Did anybody? I watched the fight. I threw a party at my house. Chris, you were there. Yeah, you can go to our Twitter handle and and see Drew Gears, IPA Boxing School. <laughs> Listen, you got to understand what punches. You had IPAs and vodka shots. <laughs> you were bombed. I didn't even, I left and I didn't say goodbye to you. <laughs> I know. I woke up in the morning wondering where everyone went. It turns out they all went, they all went home. Yeah, you were trash. I recommend everybody, Twitter, at Rock Pile Report, scroll through the timeline, you get Don't, to see Drew. And, and you know what the worst part is, is that I'm still coherent when I'm, you know, at that point. The problem is, is that I just talk at a higher volume and the things I say they're a lot more explosive for a normal conversation. You know, it's hard to have just a normal, mundane conversation with me when I'm in that state of mind. That being said, all I have to say about the fight is this. I mean, this is a football podcast. No one, no one cares about boxing, right? Conor McGregor came in there, and the fight unfolded exactly the way I thought it would. Floyd Mayweather is a boxer who's gone 12 rounds with people his entire career. He just kind of weathered the storm, kind of a 
kind of a bitch move, if you could say it, in my opinion. He kept turning his back on McGregor whenever McGregor really started to get into a rhythm, throwing his punches. Disrupted his timing, kept himself from getting knocked out until around 6 or 7 when he knew that McGregor had to be tired. And then he moved in and eventually got the stoppage because McGregor was gassed and couldn't defend himself adequately. Ultimately, the fight wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. It was but, better than Pacquiao. But it was a buzz kill. Although, better not, than Pacquiao. Not, not my buzz. <laughs> there was nothing killing my buzz Saturday night. But I think in general, as far as the sporting community, it was a massive buzz kill. Speaking of buzz kills, let's just jump right into this week's Buffalo Bills news update. Now, last week, Chris and I were drinking the WGR 550 Game Time. This week, I am sampling my very first ever Genesee Scotch L. Chris keeps trying to tell me that it's worth drinking. I love it. I mean, I had it at Comedy at the Carlson in Rochester a couple weeks ago. Drew's opening it with his sandal. <laughs> it was, I had it on tap, so it was delicious. Versus the Genesee Orange Honey Ale, which is garbage. Hmm. I'll tell you, at the first sip, this has a decent mouthfeel to it. I don't hate it. It's it's not as it's not as heavy as I expected for a Scotch Ale. And it doesn't taste like Genesee, which is another added bonus. <laughs> Ergo, this beer doesn't seem so bad at first taste. Speaking of not so bad, okay, things aren't as bad as they may seem because we're going we're gonna to kick the show off on a high note here. As expected, Adolphus Washington was found not guilty on weapons charges, which stemmed from his arrest at a water park earlier this summer. How you get arrested for having a gun out at a water park, I still, don't, I still have a hard time wrapping my head around. Hey, 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 is that a gun? No, it's a super soaker. <laughs> now... I called him an idiot at the time for finding himself in that situation in, in the first place, because I think it's absurd. But I also agreed that it didn't sound like he did anything criminal. And so moving forward, I, it, it's a non-story, kind of the way that, you know, if you remember back to the show that we did with Nate Geary and Ryan Gates from WGR, we all kind of came to the conclusion that this is how this was going to end. You know, weapons charges like this, if he has a license to carry that gun, how you can't hold it against him. I can call him an idiot. I can call him a moron for having it out in his hand without telling the police officers walking around that he was taking it out. Yeah. Oh, that that definitely makes you an idiot. But he didn't do anything criminal, and that's the important thing here. Now, he was nicked up during this week's Ravens game, but at this point it seems like he's pretty much a lock to make the roster, Chris. I mean, he's going to be here. I mean, considering that the team can't even get one of its star players at his position to stop acting like a jackass. To Marcel Darius, damn you. I've watched you play college for my favorite team. I've celebrated your selection in the NFL draft. I own and regularly wear your jersey and have become something of an apologist for you. I mean, I... You had a rough up upbringing. You know, you, your life has been filled with tragedy, and I understand that that has an effect on people. You know, your brother gets murdered, your father dies. You have some things that haven't exactly gone right for you. I, I get and can appreciate that, and for a while now, I've been a big apologist for Marcel Darius. And yet, here and now, with a new coaching staff and a fresh opportunity, you know, a, a new start, a clean slate. Just 
an opportunity to show that you actually give a shit about this football team. More so than just all of the other nonsense that you seem to fill your time with. You continue to sound like the same guy who wrapped his car around a tree and claimed he was checking himself into rehab, but then was spot, spotted partying on Chippewa that same exact night. I mean, Chris... It's, look, it's, he's got a lot of off-the-field stuff going on in his life. But when he's on the field, it's pretty damn good. Yeah, when he's on the field. He didn't play Saturday night, okay? Darius did not play in Saturday night's game because he was sent home for a quote-unquote violation of team rules. Good, he didn't get injured. I mean, there's not a whole lot of clarity on the subject, but it sounds an awful lot like he, he was late to team meetings or he didn't show up to the facility on time. What? I mean, I will give the Bills credit. They've done a really good job over the last couple months now, ever since the, ever since the regime change. You've noticed that the leaks of information have pretty much stopped coming out of one Bills drive, unless it's what, unless it's the message that they want to send, which is good. Yeah, neither Bean or McDermott said exactly what it was, and and you even heard Dar- like, Darius. Darius didn't to say interview, what it was. Darius just kept saying, "Hey, well, now we both understand where each other. You know, between me and Coach, we understand where each other stands. The water's crystal clear. What is there to be crystal clear about?" It's football. You show up on time. You show up to practice. You show up to the game. You work hard. You stay in shape. You don't smoke pot. I I, I don't know what else there is. There's maybe 10 rules to being a professional athlete. 10. Maybe less than that. All you have to do is abide by them, and yet you can't friggin' do it. And just think about it. In the intro, you heard Brandon Bean talking about the incident. I, I mean... He my, my sounds, di- does he does does he or does he not sound like someone who's already annoyed with the fact that he has to talk about this? That's my takeaway from yeah, it. Well, my thing from the from the here in the intro, Bean said something on the the last clip of the intro, something to the effect of, "Well, you, you would think somebody making that much money would be more of a team leader." Exactly. I'm telling you that listening to that, ooh, got my second uh, taste of the Genesee Scotch Ale there, and it's uh, I don't know that one. That swallow was a little rough. You listen to what Bean has to say about Marcel Darius there, and it strikes me as the father who's getting catching flack and having to explain to the teachers at school why his jerk-off kid won't do his homework or act, act right in school. I, what do you want me to do? I can't make him. I would assume that this is something in his posi- some, something that someone in his position would have their head around. But it doesn't seem like they do. All I know is is that I've been a staunch defender of this guy, and I still believe that in the NFL, no matter how you you know want to concoct your roster, no matter how you want to construct it, these guys aren't all going to be Boy Scouts. They're not. That's the nature of football. But this guy just doesn't seem to learn. Which I I promise you now, if this is just a glimpse of what's what's coming down the road. It will not bode well for him, considering the fact that this GM and this coach certainly sound like they are no bullshit kind of guys. They don't seem to have a whole lot of patience for stuff. You know, they, they seem to have patience with players, but not with this kind of stuff. It sounds an awful lot like they demand a little bit better of their players. Yeah, from the way a team violating a team rule, it's either, I don't know if they do room checks or missing a team meeting, like you said, or if he's late. That's just like an annoyance. Oh, God. You don't like it anymore. 
Chris, this Scotch Ale is brutal. It's so good. Chris, it's it's awful. Well, you have a shitty palate. It, it, th- this tasted like if you had malted up a regular Genesee. Now I'm getting the Genesee kicks is what it is. It's as if you malted it up and poured it inside of one of my softball cleats and then rattled it around and poured it into a bottle. And now I'm drinking it. I hate you for I hate you for bringing for, for putting this evil on me. So it's a Genesee New Balance Scotch Ale. Oh, a Genesee New Balance. I'm never going to stop calling it that. Oh, and then in other news, the Buffalo Bills, the headlines just keep coming. The trade parade continues to roll, and this time it is linebacker Reggie Ragland. Monday afternoon, the Buffalo Bills announced that they had traded Reggie Ragland to the Kansas City Chiefs in exchange for a 2019 fourth-round pick. It kind of stinks for me personally because I will attest I'm, I'm extremely fond of the player as an Alabama fan. I mean, I got much like Marcel Darius. I got to watch this guy's entire career. You know, I saw him on the field on Saturdays and just watched him be a, a field general. He was a playmaker. He was the heart of that team's defense. So it, I'm not going to lie to you. It stings knowing that he couldn't realize all of that potential at the NFL level while also wearing my favorite team's jersey. I really thought that this was another opportunity for me to say, look, here's another Alabama guy that I love, that I know is a hard-nosed football player who's going to come in here and help make my franchise better. And but that didn't happen. We fired people, new scheme, he doesn't fit. Well, exactly. I mean, in these types of situations, you have to take a global view of everything that's happening. And when you do, when you take a step back and just take the 10-foot look at it, this truly does seem to be a win for everybody involved. Okay, Ragland himself has admitted to not being 100%, and that that has impacted his ability to kind of learn and adapt to this new scheme. Also, the role isn't exactly suited for him. I, I mean, think about it. You come from the inside. I mean, for those of you, I know Chris, like many people. I would assume... <laughs> He's suited for the three four, so that means you have three linemen, four linebackers. Mm-hmm. So that means two middle linebackers. So you're technically asking him to only play half the field. Mm-hmm. So you wouldn't really need speed now that we're in a four three. A middle linebacker, you want to have a ton of speed. Holy shit! I saw football. <laughs> Chris is learning about the game of football, folks. I I learned everything myself. (laughs) Give him a round of applause, folks. Chris is finally understanding some of the X's and O's going to the game. Right, I know everything. I'm better than you. (laughs) I am dumbfounded. I am dumbfounded from where I sit right now. But you're right. He was he was drafted to be an inside linebacker in a three four defense where he could best utilize his short range speed. The fact that he didn't have top end speed really does impact the way he plays the game. He's not a true middle linebacker. He can't be. He doesn't have the speed or burst for it. He's especially, not Ruben Foster. Especially coming off a knee injury like that. I mean, he's essentially meant to be a guy who patrols the middle of the field and controls the running lanes, sometimes blitzes the A-gap. He's not meant to be a, a true middle linebacker. So the team was probably going to cut him anyway. Looking at it from a standpoint of here's a guy we could have let walk for nothing and instead we got a fourth-round pick, albeit a year from now, that's a we got some sort of return for the guy. That's a huge win for the team. I mean, remember what I said to uh, what was it two weeks ago when we talked about the Sammy Watkins trade, and I said that draft capital spent 
You know, everyone wants to say, oh, well, he was a second-round pick. Oh, no. We get, and we gave up other picks to get him. Once you draft a player and you spend that draft capital, that draft capital cannot be factored into that player's value. Reggie Ragland had limited value to this team, regardless of what they spent on him, because it's spent. It's gone. Well, plus when you take a player, his value immediately depreciates. Yeah. So at this point, the fact that we're getting a fourth-round pick at any point for a guy who was drafted in the second round, that's, that's a win for the Bills. And on the same side of things, Ragland gets to go to a team that's going to allow him to fit into more, a more natural role for his skill set. Okay? He gets to go understudy behind Derek Johnson, who is one of the better interior linebackers for 3-4 defenses in the entire NFL. He's been steady, reliable. He's going to learn a lot behind him. It's going to be good for Ragland's career because he's going to be pegged as a backup and given time to really grow inside of that scheme. I assume you're going to be paying attention a little bit just because you love Ragland. You'll be paying attention to the fourth preseason game, and you'll be paying attention to the Chiefs all season long. Well, everyone's like going to be paying attention to the Chiefs because, because, of the draft. because of the draft pick. And then the Chiefs benefit. Okay, so again taking a global view of the NFL. And I think it's one of the things that Bills fans lose sight of. The Chiefs get a benefit out of this because they just released 30-year-old veteran inside linebacker Josh Mauga. Now, he's played a backup role for them for the last two seasons, and he has had to play a number of games given the injuries that do occur at that position. But he wasn't able to stay healthy for a lot of last season. Figure you're 30 years old, you're coming off a labrum injury. They, they cut him in order to create cap space and brought in Reggie Ragland to learn how to fill that backup inside linebacker role. So for them, it's a win for them because they get this young, talented guy who if he can ever get healthy again and he can get back up to speed, I mean, there's nothing that says he won't. They could have a very good borderline starter to maybe even a good starter at inside linebacker for the foreseeable future. Everyone involved in this trade seems to have gotten something positive from this deal, right? So what the hell is wrong with everyone? I have done my best to stay. I'm grabbing the microphone now because I'm mad. <laughs> oh, my God. You know what? I'm, Don't I'm, break I'm, my table. I'm going to choke down the rest of this scotch ale. Chris, if you think this is good. You I need to check your palate, Holmes. That stuff is delicious. God. And you're backwashing in the bottle, you scumbag. Once again, another week, another instance of me having to rinse my mouth out with Moosehead, of all things. So, I'm, I've done my best, okay, over the last few weeks to stay away from Reddit, from Facebook fan groups, from WGR, and even Twitter. Because ever since the Bills started making trades... There is a healthy 40%, I'd say. I would say 30, but I was going to go 30, but that seems too low now, now that I'm thinking about it. 40% of this fan base that has lost its damn mind. So much so that in the brief time I was listening to WGR yesterday afternoon, I had to be subjected to this. Hey, Bulldog. I just can't believe how the... Bills have managed to put out such a pathetic offensive line that we had two quarterbacks go down with concussions. Now, I know they got a bunch of picks, and I know you're into big offensive linemen. Do you think we're going to try to pick up some big O-linemen in the draft like we had in the past, like Mike Gandy or John Carmen or those guys? Why? Is any of this serious? 
well, those guys, at least they could play. These guys are just, they're getting abused out there. Mike, Mike Gandy could play? He played in the Super Bowl, for crying out. Mike, come on. We got guys that are rolling around on the field that can't even stand up. We got two quarterbacks that get concussions. It's an embarrassment. Oh, Dave. When they get- D- Dave, you know what, Dave? Dave, this call's an embarrassment. We've come to people calling for players like Mike fucking Gandy. Insanity. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. You calm over there? I was on Shoping the Bulldogs, <laughs> 3 to 7 WGR. <laughs> Anybody who's thinking like this has 100% lost your friggin' minds. I don't even know who Mike Gandy is. Did, Mike Gandy? Oh my god. Mike Gandy, yeah, he played in a Super Bowl. He played in a Super Bowl and he didn't win. He doesn't have a Super Bowl ring. Mike Lotus played in the Super Bowl. You want to talk to me about Joe Delamalure. You want to talk to me about Kent Hull. You want to talk to me about... Howard Ballard. Jim Richter. You want to talk about guys like that? Glenn Parker. Talk about guys like that. You bring up Mike Gandy, and I'm liable to bite the nose off your face. Jesus Christ. (laughs) You mean to tell me that the trades of a wide receiver who wasn't healthy during his time with our team and wasn't likely to re-sign here for far above what could have been considered fair market value. A fourth-round project quarterback, a cornerback and linebacker who didn't fit our scheme that we also got better than fair market value for, have somehow brought some of you to a place where instead of talking about great linemen, you are literally willing to talk about Mike Gandy. Guys, we're better than this. Okay, I let me collect myself here. <laughs> yeah, Drew Goose Fraba. Goose Fraba. Okay, calm the fuck down. I'm 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 calm. Here's what I'm gonna say, guys. I don't know what happened. I get it. Seventeen years is a long time. It is. But here's one of the things I don't understand about this fan base. We have a front office. I mean, I've, I've heard and read people bitch about how it's the same thing, the same thing, the same thing, year after year after year with the Buffalo Bills, with the front office, with everyone that they hire. We finally have a GM who's doing things differently. Now, people are always going to be afraid of what they don't understand or what the, what's new, what seems to be, you know, like a foreign concept to them. People have a tendency, it's just human nature, to fear those sorts of things. But in our case, it's been 17 years without a playoff berth. We've watched one GM and one head coach after another completely botch this process. And now we've got guys who are doing it differently. They're doing things differently than any other front office before before them. At least as long as we've been missing the playoffs. So I get it that you guys, you know, this is uncomfortable for you. But just because it's uncomfortable doesn't mean that it's not right. So everybody with Chris and I, I want you to take a deep breath and relax. Goose Fraba. Cheers, Chris. Goose Fraba. Bills and Ravens played on Saturday. 
Oh, that game. Go to our Twitter handle at Rockpile Report <laughs> to see little. I took Snapchats and I didn't. I didn't send them to anybody. I just saved them in my phone and then uploaded them to Twitter. I didn't even you, realize he was taking video of me. I, I mean, here's the thing. That game was tough to watch, even for grizzled, 17-year drought-watching Bills veterans. It is a preseason. But as in most things, with enough beer, anything, anything is possible. Yeah. For you, IPAs. I'll be honest. I'm glad I got that one out of the way. The shouting at the offensive line every for every boneheaded penalty that they took. Slamming my hands on, on my bar. Watching our quarterbacks get ragdolled around in the pocket. And honestly, it was kind of therapeutic because it got me into the mindset of regular season football. I'm not going to recap that game because I really, again, I have a hard time even just taking myself back to that place. But as always, we're going to give you our hero and zero of the week. And this week's zero, I'm sure you all know it has to go to the offensive line. Offensive line has sharply regressed from where we were last season, and it's not even close. If there's anything I'm upset about, it's that I called on Twitter our offensive line playing poorly enough to get someone hurt. And now, we are down to one single non-concussed quarterback left on the roster, which led our team to dredge up something called Keith Wenning, which is apparently a quarterback from Ball State that last threw a pass in college in 2013. Well, he was with... with Cincinnati most recently, and was with Baltimore when Dennison was there. So he has this much. Um, you can't see this. Like <laughs> I was going to say, Chris, it's a visual. Yeah, no one gets it's, that. It's, it's okay. If you need a visual, the size of Drew's wiener. Really small sample size of Dennison's offense. What I but I don't understand that. It's like it's like saying Tyrod Taylor. It's like saying Tyrod Taylor. Oh well, he he was well, his quarterback coach when he was on the practice. No, 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 no. don't so, forget a few. What two, maybe two, three seasons ago with Rex, we had Chris Sims and he threw that pass backwards. <laughs> We're trying to avoid that. We're trying to avoid that. All I know is is that the offensive line really they the it, what it's gonna take, because there's no replacing it now. I mean you can scour the waiver wire, you can do a lot of different things. There's no fixing what we've built. This is it. This is what we're going into week one up against one of the most ferocious defensive lines in football. This is what we're bringing to the table. So it's going to be on the coaching staff. It's going to be on the offensive coordinator, and it's going to be on the quarterbacks to get together and come up with a game plan that somehow masks the deficiencies that these guys have shown so far. But the hero of last week's game, I had to give it to the big guy, Mike Tolbert. What the hell did he do? Last week, I said we needed an offensive touchdown from our starters. Considering that it came with the starting offense on the field, I still think it counts. Not only did Tolbert score the touchdown in the game, but he's been... I mean, look at his play this offseason. He plays both special teams units, and... As a change of pace running back, have you did you watch that Vikings game where he just mowed through their where he just ran straight through their defense and then mowed down their safety who tried to tackle him and then did the brushing off thing when he stood up? That is what Mike Tolbert is. Now, a part of me thought that maybe with his age he'd be losing his step because when he gets going downhill, he's almost impossible to stop, which is one of the things I like about the player. For a man his size, I think he seems quicker out of the gate than our other backup linebackers. You know, Taiwan Jones, 
Joe Banyard. I don't know if that's because they're those young guys are hesitating behind the line or what it is. But Mike Tolbert's really been, I mean, he hit the hole with authority. He scored our only offensive touchdown. And he finished that game with more yards per carry than any other running back. Three and a half, 3.8 yards per cat, per touch. Jesus Christ. I, I mean, ultimately, Chris, I, I don't think there's any way he doesn't make the roster at this point. I mean, you consider how much this offense is going to rely on the running attack for continuity. Having a short yardage back who can occasionally rip off an eight or nine yard run just because no one can tackle him is going to be extremely valuable to this team. Well, that's the one thing I don't like when we, at least the last couple of years, coming into third and ones. Send in the big people. <laughs> Why don't we just spread it out? Or then again, do a quarterback sneak. Tom Brady seems to hit those all the time on third, fourth, and ones. Why do we got to get all the big people? Oh, no, that's one of the ugliest plays. Honestly, that is one of the ugliest plays in football. You know, that's one of the things you hear. There's guys, I mean, I, I'm not the first one to say it. There's there's guys that you hear. Um, I know that, uh, what is it, the morning guys, Jeremy White. Jeremy White from WGR is one of the guys who, yeah, he always says, send in the big people because no, that's no. all we do. Well, and that, no, but that's one of the things. It's an NFL thing. It is very much a, it's a thing that's ingrained in the minds of NFL out. people. Who decide, the good teams. Spread out on third and one. The good teams spread out on third and one because what you do is you remove the linebackers from the box. But I think unconventional, co- you know, conventional coaches, I guess. Conventional coaches look at the game and they say, okay, well, we're, we're going to put a hat on a hat and we're going to go in there and just outwork the other team. That's working harder, not smarter. I think that I'm I'm hoping, hoping that McDermott doesn't fall into that category. And then I've got an honorable mention for you guys. Brandon Riley, wide receiver. He's on the roster bubble. I mean, I'll, I'll give him that. But even with a fumble in that game, I like what he brings to the table as a death option to wide receiver. He, he I mean, played he, great in the final drive against the Eagles. Yeah, and he led the team in receiving for the game, four catches for 55 yards. Yeah, I think that that in and of itself is worth giving the kid a round of applause for. I mean, he's a young guy. He's an undrafted free agent rookie wide receiver. The fact that he's been able to come in here and acclimate well to the passing game, which hasn't been great. Our passing attack has not been stellar throughout the course of this preseason. No, because nobody throws great except for Peterman and Peterman. So remember before the preseason when people agreed that it was a good idea not to overreact to meaningless football games. Everyone needs to keep that in mind when you look back at what these last three games have brought us. And despite what you may see on Twitter, you know, my IPA-fueled rants from Saturday night, I'm going to try to do that. I mean, there isn't a whole lot of game planning going into these contests, and the coaches are doing little to tip off plays that they expect to use in the regular season. I mean, for fuck's sake, Doug Marone called a fake punt last week from his own 30-yard line. Doug, king of the punt, Marone. Saint Doug. So with that in mind, here's what I can tell you about what I've learned over the past few weeks of Bills football. First and foremost, the Bills offensive coordinator, Rick Dennison, has his hands full for the next few weeks. He's got to find a way to do a better job of setting Tyrod Taylor up with plays that allow him to move the pocket. I mean, I understand 
The execution of the passing game is 100% on Taylor. But if you leave him or any quarterback standing in the pocket behind the offensive line that we currently have, they've proven that against a good defensive line, which I think we can all agree, most teams have at least an, a serviceable defensive line. Especially in, our divi- the po- especially in our division, because we do, oh, have yeah. Tom, we do have Tom Brady. We have a good defensive line. The Jets have a decent defensive line. Decent? They have an elite defensive line. And then Miami. Does Miami still have Mario Williams? <laughs> I, to be honest, I don't even know. No, they don't. <laughs> All I know is, is that quarterbacks have had a hard time standing in the pocket and staying upright. I think that it's going to be on the offensive coordinator to come up with a game plan that utilizes their athletic abilities, gets them out in space. I'd like to believe that they are prepared for this going into the season. Another thing that I've learned over the last few weeks of Bill's preseason football, Tyrod Taylor's accuracy may not be exactly where we need it to be. It's gotten marginally better. But I still I, I still just keep in my head when you talk about whether or not he's an accurate quarterback, I keep seeing the play where he overthrew uh, Andre Holmes in the Vikings game, or was it the you know, it was the Eagles game on a screen pass. You somehow threw the ball high, and a wide receiver who's six foot four had to jump to catch it, and it was a screen pass. Are you talking about something from last season when EJ was here? No, I'm talking about the Eagles game because he almost got Andre Holmes killed. This is something that is going to be a thorn in the offense's side all season if it's true that Tyrod Taylor really just cannot be an accurate quarterback. Now, I like I said, in a vacuum, you're right. It's preseason. Maybe they're not calling the right plays to get wide receivers into big windows where he can throw to them. I don't know. But what I know is that on a routine screen pass, you shouldn't be overthrowing a guy who's six foot four. That's it. That that's one of the things I know. The other thing that I can tell you that I've learned is that our defense, people who were worried when we lost Ron Darby, I get it. I get a lot of the things that people have been saying about our defense and about the fact that, oh, well, now we've got all these new faces in the secondary. Again, things that are new tend to scare people. Having said that, we haven't really allowed. I mean, you watch some of these preseason games. Look at the Miami Eagles game. The Miami Philadelphia. Darby got torched. Not only did Darby get abused that entire game, he got beat by every single wide receiver on their roster. And he got mowed down by Jay Ajayi for a, a 25-yard run just because he can't tackle. Ultimately, I look at our defense and I say, hey, the teams we played, we held them down. You know, that same team that hung 30-something points on Miami, we held them under 20. What does that say about the state of our defense? I don't know. What I do know is that I what I see with my eyes is that they passed the eye test in the secondary as far as communication. And that is big. You know, I I watched a play when the Eagles were playing Miami where Byron Maxwell and Rashad Jones, possibly their two best secondary players, their number one cornerback and their number one safety, miscommunication between the two of them, and they just walked away from Alshon Jeffrey and just let him catch a what was like a 40 or 50-yard touchdown pass. No one covered him. They each took a different route. I have yet to see a monstrous breakdown in coverage from our starting defenders like that. That is encouraging. That is going to bode well for our season. You know, These people who want to just see doom and gloom, that's fine. You can do that. 
You know, and, and there are people who are detractors of the Bills who can point out things that the team has done wrong. And you're right, there are some things, most of it on the offensive side of the ball, that we do need to do differently. But for the love of God, people, it's not it's <laughs> it's not fire and brimstone over here, okay? So everyone just relax. Goose Fraba. So that brings us to the part of the podcast where we discuss what's going to happen in the next week or two. First and foremost, I want to have a discussion with you about injuries. Now, I know that there are a lot of Bills fans out there who are wallowing in self-pity. And some of that seems to be generated by the number of injuries that we've experienced this offseason. I mean, here's the rundown as I see it of meaningful injuries that are going to impact our roster. First and foremost, newly traded for wide receiver Jordan Matthews. That chip fracture, I mean, he's expected to play week one, but... You're right. That does feel like a very billsy thing to have happen. He's in his very first practice and he goes down with an injury that then sidelines him for the rest of training camp. You're right. That is a thing. And I that sucks that it happened, but there's nothing you can do about it. It's done. Okay, he's hurt. You can't unhurt him, so stop being hurt about it. Tyrod Taylor, concussion. No prognosis available right now. I haven't read anything. It's too soon. I haven't heard that he's going to be, you know, in the concussion protocol for an extended period of time. I think that if he was, you would see the team making bigger moves to address the quarterback position. Or would they? You know, some of you want to think that they're tanking. I don't believe that they're tanking. I think that they're willing to collect assets and try to do the best they can and see where they end up because they really want to see what they have in this roster. That being said, Tyrod Taylor, I'm not worried about it. Well, we got two weeks until the opener. Two weeks, no activity. I'm certain he'll be practicing the week of the week of game one. Yeah, I'm, as far as I know, um, Tyrod is actually staying out back behind the practice facility in a shed, <laughs> the same way Mike Leach kept <laughs> that one kid in the shed from oh the concussion. God. Oh my god. Don't worry, he's got a roommate, TJ Yates. <laughs> Quarterback TJ Yates, concussed. Again, no prognosis available. You're such a jackass. Chris, I love you. Are you offended? Cheers. Are you offended by that? Oh. Defensive tackle Marcel Darius popped up on the injury list this week with a hip injury. Again, no prognosis available. Wide receiver Andre Holmes, a neck injury. No prognosis available. But again, these are all guys who aren't going to practice this week or play this week anyway. Left tackle Cordy Glenn. That's the last of the big ones. His foot, he's week to week, and they're optimistic, quote-unquote, that they think he'll play. Guys, I don't care what you say to me. (laughs) I think if you look at years past, I'd say we're lucky. In each of our last two to three seasons, there was at least one player placed on IR at some point during camp or the first two weeks of the preseason and or one significant player to our roster to start the season on the pup list. Considering that we don't have anything that drastic going on right now, we could, we should consider ourselves lucky. Last week, you heard all about the injuries that the Dolphins have sustained across the roster from Travis Wingfield, our Dolphins correspondent. Thirdandten.com. And this week, things got ugly for New England. Now they've not only lost a rookie defensive end, an all-world slot receiver with Julian Edelman, but now they've got a left tackle who's missing practice time, a linebacker who's missing practice time, and one of their important depth wide receivers who have all missed practices with nagging injuries that they're not sure what their, what their availability is going to be come week one. 
I mean, it's funny how week to week the injury picture can change. And I think that by comparison, when you look at the teams across our division, we're incredibly lucky that that's all we've got. I mean, we reached out to Patriots fan Christian Simonelli for his take as their injury situation has changed drastically since we last spoke. This is what he had to say. No, wait. Wait, let me say something. Let me say something. What? I don't under I didn't understand a one word you said. Ron, are you okay? Ron. Ron, where are you? I'm in a glass case of emotion. Suck our dick, Simonelli. <laughs> oh, you thought it was funny, Simonelli. Now I don't know who's gonna make the 53-man roster on this Buffalo Bills team. And, you know, injuries are certainly going to play a role in that. But ultimately, I think that we've done pretty well compared to the rest of the teams in our division. Now, speaking of the 53-man roster, there are some players on the bubble. I mean, I'm not going to give you my full 53-man prediction because that would just bore you all to shit. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the guys in the bubble that I think should make the roster and then some of my picks to be cuts, barring injury, that might give the depth chart as it currently stands a little bit of a shakeup. We're going to start on the offensive side of the football. First off, offense in. These are the guys that I expect to make the roster. And I'm going to start with my boy Brandon Riley. Now, he is not the most explosive athlete. Wide receiver. He's appeared to have reliable hands. He reminds me a little bit like a poor man's Chris Hogan. He just finds ways to get open It's been no matter what quarterback he's playing with, no matter what team he's played on. All throughout the preseason, he's found ways to generate offense. He finished the preseason with nine catches for 112 yards, one touchdown, and four catches of at least 15 yards. I mean, you consider the depth chart at wide receiver, and especially considering the uncertainty around Rod Streeter's health, his ability to maybe contribute to the team this year, I, I just think that when you look at the other options available throughout the games that I watched during this preseason, nobody else acquitted themselves as nicely as Brandon Riley. And for that reason, I have him making the roster. At the same time, I look at Chantrell Henderson. Now, that's more of just a practical matter. We don't have experienced depth at left tackle. Or right tackle, or guard, or center. <laughs> Everyone is, well, the center were actually stacked at, because Groy, Groy's pretty damn good. I give you that. In fact, Groy's almost been talked about as being a candidate, too. If they can't resolve the turnstile that's going on at right guard, they could plug Groy in there. Give him a shot. See if he can earn that starting guard job. I mean, at the end of the day, you look at left tackle. Chantrell Henderson's been the only person to consistently play it during practice, during the preseason. So I absolutely think that even with his five-game suspension looming, They keep him on the off chance that Cordy Glenn either re-injures that foot, can't go, ends up on the pup, ends up on the IR, and we can't bring him back until midway through the season. Whatever the case is, I I just don't see a scenario where they don't at least hang on to Chantrell Henderson until his suspension is up, just to see what they have in him. He'll be on the reserve suspended list, but I think he'll play for us this year. And then Logan Thomas. Now, I know that there's a lot of people who are fans, and I know he's got a lot of detractors. I personally don't think that Thomas has done anything special this offseason. 
What was it with the uh, Ga- the Gates and Geary episode a couple weeks ago? Didn't Geary put him at two, tight end yeah. two? Nate Geary had him as our number two tight end. But Nick O'Leary showed with his little baby hands that even though he doesn't wear gloves and he has some of the tiniest hands in professional football, he's routinely open for passes and that he can be a serviceable number two behind Charles Clay. You know what? I question O'Leary's ability to palm a baseball. <laughs> But what I know about Logan Thomas is is that he was routinely open for passes because of his size. I mean, he's six foot five. He's a big guy, and so because of that, you know, t- the coaching staff is going to look at him and say, "Okay, here's a guy who might be able to help us this year." But ultimately, I don't think he showed anything in the preseason. I mean, he hasn't made a single flash play that I can think of. I mean, okay, so there actually, you know what? You're right. There was a catch, a catch in the Vikings game. Outside of that, I haven't heard or seen of Logan Thomas. But you got to have three tight ends. You have to. And since I haven't heard Wes Saxon's name brought up, and uh, Kroom is now released with an injury settlement, I think they hate. I, I just don't think they have a choice but to keep Logan Thomas. Now, as far as the guys in the offense who are on the bubble and on their way out, I think first and foremost we're going to start off with Vlad Dukas. Everyone everyone thought that he was going to be brought in as like, oh, here's a steady veteran presence that we're going to add to our offensive line. No! He's been god-awful. He has been god-awful. I want you out there instead of <laughs> Vlad Dukas. I would go play out there instead yeah. of letting some quarterback. Because you know what? You I got, mean, see, what it, you got reach. You got those <laughs> fucking gorilla arms. <laughs> you can touch your feet without bending over. Okay, that's a slight exaggeration. All I know is that when I've watched Dukas play this offseason, his his technique isn't where it needs to be. It's just not to be an NFL starter. Having said that, you know, people say, oh, well, he'll be there for good veteran depth. What good is he if you can't trust that you can plug him in in the middle of a game and have him have him contribute positively for you? I would much. I mean, in all honesty, I believe that he's regressed since the preseason has gone on much more than Miller has given that. As I stated before, Ryan Groy has the ability to slide over and play guard, and he's proven that he can be a quality offensive lineman. I think that if I'm looking at the roster and it comes down to, okay, I've got this promising young wide receiver I can keep, or I've got another member of my safety stable that I think I can play. Because remember, remember, McDermott likes to run. It's not exactly a cover two defense. It's a cover three which will often involve a third safety instead of a linebacker that plays the quote-unquote robber role. A safety that stands between the hashes or at least slides over and covers between the hashes to take away the center of the field and rob, basically pick off passes up the seam. You know, he's the, He loves to run that kind of a scheme. Given that, I would rather see us keep some of these talented young guys at safety then keep a guy like Dukas, who's proven that if he's if he gets thrown into the fire, he can't he can't perform. Sorry. And then quarterback T.J. Yates. When Cardale Jones got traded, the quarterback two position was essentially a two horse race. I mean, it was Yates and it was Peterman. I think Peterman came into that battle with an edge when you consider that he was drafted by this front office, and that Yates' status is pretty much a journeyman quarterback. He's never been a starter he, uh, unless injured. He does have a playoff win. He does have a playoff win, but he also had a very good team around him to help him achieve that. I mean, you saw the statistic today. Uh, what is it? Uh, 
what is it, Matt Stafford just signed the richest NFL, what is it, the richest NFL contract. Yeah, and he has no playoff wins. at the same time, he has no playoff wins. He is the highest paid play. Picture that, Bills fans, for a second. I mean, we complain about not having a franchise quarterback. Here's a franchise that just made a guy the highest paid p- player in football. I want to say it was like five years, 137. At the quarterback position, who has no playoff wins. He also doesn't have a running game. Okay. He is also 5-46 and 46 against teams that finish the season with a winning record. And he's 1-25 on the road. These are all statistics that any of you can go look up if you think you can challenge me on them. What I know is that yes, a team does not <laughs> a team doesn't make you know a quarter. I mean, excuse me, a team a quarterback doesn't make a team. A quarterback doesn't make a team, and he can't single handedly, unless your name is Tom Brady or Peyton Manning, lift up a mediocre team and make them good. You can't do it. Aaron Rodgers does it. Ben Roethlisberger has been known to do it, but he can't do it all the time. Tom Brady has done it consistently. I think without Tom Brady, those rosters he's played on have been mediocre. Some of them. Sometimes they've loaded up and made championship runs, and it usually ends in a Super Bowl. But ultimately, you're looking at a guy who, yes, he has a playoff win. But what does that mean? He's got a good team around him. He's got something that Matt Stafford doesn't have. Matt Stafford is the highest paid guy in football. TJ Yates is a quarterback who literally has looked like hot garbage all offseason. And since the preseason started, he's been a tire fire. Yeah, he got passed over by uh, Peterman, a rookie. Yeah. It didn't take long. Throws. It took one game. It took one game for him to lose his spot. And then when he had the opportunity to win it back, he threw a pick in the end zone to end the game. Hilarious. I honestly just, I this is the end for TJ Yates. He's gone. Another cut on the offensive side of the ball that I think might surprise some people, Walter Powell, wide receiver. This one I didn't think would happen at the beginning of the preseason in training camp, considering the fact that he's managed to stick around the team for this long. But he hasn't been a factor. When you look at the preseason games, he hasn't, he hasn't performed. He's lost snaps to younger players like Brandon Riley. And older players like Philly Brown have come in and leapfrogged him on the depth chart almost immediately. Didn't did Powell get uh, return time? No, no, they gave it to that Ross kid right before they cut him. So literally, Powell, his only role was, "Hey, I'm I'm like a practice squad veteran, and I'm still here. I'm still going to fight to make this roster." And then you get suspended for PEDs. I honestly believe. I, I mean, if the Bills were to cut him, it wouldn't be a shock to me. What would come as a surprise to most people, though, is my last pick on the offensive side of the ball, and that's wide receiver Andre Holmes. If Rod Streeter is declared to be healthy to play within the early going of this season, I could see a world where the team decides to part ways with Holmes. Now, I'm not saying that because I don't think Holmes has any talent. I say that because he hasn't exactly played well. I mean, even going back to training camp, he was dropping balls, he wasn't where he needed to be, he, I mean, you heard multiple times from the staff, we're going to keep working with him. We're going to keep working this. We're going to work that. And he's been a non-factor for pretty much every preseason game that we've played. I mean, that's, again, that's, it's like the whole team concept. Like I said about a quarterback, you can't exactly blame that on Holmes because if he doesn't have a quarterback who has time to throw the ball or a quarterback who's throwing the ball particularly well, you, you're not going to blame him for that. 
I think he's a guy to keep your eye on come cutdown day because he could become one of those cap casualties where they look at what he's costing them and they say, hey, you know what? We sunk our money into this, but we haven't seen any return on it. Instead of going into the season, let's give one of these younger guys who looks like, who is not only cheaper, but looks like they can produce a little bit more. Let's give them a shot. On the opposite side of the ball, defense. Now, Chris, this first guy here on my list, take a look. Who is it? Who, who do I have on there? Eddie Yarborough. I, there's no argument that he's going to be on the team. No, it's obvious. There's no way you could say, well, he shouldn't. Like, yeah, we're pretty stacked with what we got starting. But as a rotational player coming in, Eddie Yarborough, there's nothing to say. No. He's going to be on the when team. When we came into this offseason, my biggest thing was that we only had three proven defensive ends. <clears throat> in fact, two proven defensive ends with NFL experience. And one guy who, in Shaq Lawson, who I thought would add, acclimate himself well to the scheme. And... After that, it was a complete crapshoot. We got lucky. It seems like we may have hit Pater on Eddie Yarbrough because the kid just has a high motor. He's constantly involved in every play. He brings pressure. He brings contain. He's he's everything you want in a 4-3 defensive end. You saw end. what he did against Minnesota when Shaq was out with the injury. Yeah. He dominated. He dominated against, against, against another one. team's starting offensive line. I honestly believe that we may have found a diamond in the rough. I mean, that's what you go into every preseason praying for. Let one of these guys that's an undrafted free agent that, let, you know, not out of necessity that we have to keep him, let one of these guys prove that he belongs here. And I think we have that in Yarbrough. And I'll drink to that, Chris. Woo! <laughs> you want to tell me who the hell Trey Elson is? <laughs> Trey Elston! Free safety. To my eyes, Elson has performed about as well as you could ask an undrafted free, free agent safety to do, Chris. I mean, he's he's a younger guy. And given that we cut Bakari Rambo today, I expect that if he's healthy, we're going to see both he and Shamil Gary. That's right. Shamil Gary. Make the roster, along with Colt Anderson, in order to flesh out that depth at safety. Like I said... Well, you said... Uh, McDermott's defense uh, cover cover three cover three. See? So you have a I knew oh, it was cover. You know everything. I huh? couldn't I couldn't remember the number. Oh, gonna, you learned a little bit about three four defenses, and he got yeah, cocky. I got cocky. I was going to be like cover. <laughs> Drew, I know Drew said cover. I don't know cover thirty four. You br- somebody, and he said something about bringing in somebody to play within the whatever. Is, so essentially, is that, is that, what is what, that what Trey Elson what does? McDermott, well, here's the thing: what McDermott likes to do, or historically has done as a defensive coordinator, he enjoys bringing in a safety to patrol the seams. He likes a guy to kind of sit between the hashes, who can go. You know, you don't have to go sideline to sideline. You just have to go hash to hash. Threaten the quarterback. Make him a little bit afraid to throw up the seam or over the middle of the field because you might overthrow. You might float it. If it gets tipped, then that guy's right there. To It's like an easy – it's like a softball catch at that point. He loves that cover three. And so I have no doubt in my mind that they're going to be running a substantial amount of it come the regular season. Given that, you have to have safeties on hand. You've got to have safeties. And right now, we just cut Bakari Rambo. Right now, we're down to Trey Elston, Shamil Gary, uh, Micah Hyde, and uh, Jordan Jordan Poyer, the guy who doesn't like chicken wings. Well, I got his uh, Elson's Wikipedia. It says he's 5'11". Then. So when you say hash to hash, 
we do see a, a healthy dose of Gronk. Oh, but, but so, that's the thing. Those I, are the types of defenses where you can threaten a guy like Gronk because now you now you have a linebacker who's following him up the seam in passing situations. You know, you go into a nickel defense, you they send Gronk up the seam. You've got a linebacker trailing him, but there's a safety. There's two safeties patrolling the back end, keeping any wide receivers from taking the top off the defense. Maybe they're even sinking down low to take away some crossing routes. But you've got that robber who's going to watch that tight end like a hawk when he goes up that seam, and now he's by default double covered. And unless you're Tom Brady, and even sometimes Tom Brady makes mistakes, you're going you're gonna to look for a different option rather than challenge that double coverage. But that time that it takes you to find a different option, that buys your pass rush time to get home. And that's why the cover three defense looks like it could be, it could be a boon to the Bills this season. Whew. All right, I'm done. I'm done taking the one knee kissing ass approach to Trey Elston. I like the kid. I think I think he showed well throughout the preseason. I expect him to make the roster. Ryan Davis, defensive end. He's a guy that a lot of people thought were going to make the roster, but I had him on the bubble all preseason because he missed such a large portion of training camp and the early preseason because of a concussion. You know, when you get concussed and you start missing reps. You have to wonder about a guy's job security. When you look at some of the guys across the NFL right now, if you go on Pro Football Talk, you can find 12 different articles about guys who are missing reps, older veteran players who are on the roster bubble now. Well, we did also cut in Jake Metz. Yeah, we cut Jake Metz. Well, I think that's because Jake Metz, they just knew he wasn't in their plans. Yeah, go back to China. <laughs> go not, back to the Chinese football. Not that he's yes. Chinese. It's that's... He won a Chinese championship. <laughs> so, essentially, though, I look at Ryan Davis. According to Pro Football Focus, he was one of our best players last game. And he's really acquitted himself well the last few games in a rotational role. You plug him in behind our starters, we could actually have, after fearing our depth at defensive end, we could have a, a legitimate rotation at that position, which is fantastic. On the other side... You've got the defensive players who I think are going to get cut. One of the bubble guys I think that is going to go, I hope we can stash him somewhere, is defensive end Marquavius Lewis. Now, I, it's not that I don't think Lewis has upside. He's a big guy. I don't know if you guys remember his sack during the, um, his sack from the very first game against the Vikings. He's a big guy. He's 270 pounds. He's about six foot four. He proved that his strength is real. It's tangible. I can watch it. I can watch his strength against offensive linemen all day. But his technique just seems to fail him from time to time, which that's what you would expect out of a rookie defensive end who didn't get drafted. To me, he seems like the perfect candidate to be groomed on the practice squad. That's just going to depend on our, our ability to stash him. But I do expect Marquavius Lewis to get cut. And then I think one of the most controversial things here is going to be linebackers Matt Milano and Tanner Vallejo. There's two of them. We drafted Matt Milano in the fifth round and Tanner Vallejo in the sixth round. However, even though he was a, a later round draft pick, Tanner Vallejo actually spent more time. He, he got times with the twos in training camp. He got time with the ones. He spent more time contributing to the team. Whereas Milano was a, a backup's backup. Played a lot of special teams. 
Right now, Tanner Vallejo is out with an injury, which has been the story of his entire collegiate career. He's played phenomenally, played phenomenally, and then caught an injury and missed a a whole slew of games. If Tanner Vallejo is not healthy, I, I have a feeling that he will be cut. Maybe they'll try to stash him on the practice squad. Maybe he'll be given some kind of an injury designation. I don't know. But I think that Matt Milano and Tanner Vallejo from this year's draft class are pretty much fighting each other for a draft spot at this point. So it'll be interesting to see. Like, that's one of the things I'm going to have my eyes glued to come cut down day on Saturday. Now, tomorrow night, Thursday night. Well, tomorrow night. Jesus Christ. How many beers have I had, Chris? No, no. Tomorrow's Wednesday. Tomorrow's Wednesday. Thursday. Thursday night, Bills versus Lions. I usually give you three things to watch for. I'm gonna. I'll come out right now and say it. You guys are lucky that Tyrod and TJ Yates got injured in the last game because I know before I had been saying like, if they're healthy, Peterman plays the whole game and blows it up, and then the fan base calls into GR. Why aren't we starting Peterman? He just destroyed second and third stringers. You kind of like how Kellen Moore usually comes yes. in once a year and destroys the Buffalo Bills, and yet he's he's not. He, he doesn't even have a job right now. Guys, for all of you out there who are these on the ledge, these nervous Bills fans who who can't just drink a beer, swear at the TV for a couple hours, and then shut it off, compress, compartmentalize, and then release all of that frustration and move forward. I recommend you don't even watch the game. Don't watch it. Don't watch it. You're not going to see anything you like. I'm sure it's going to be a train wreck. Yep, get out your VHS players and play <laughs> the 1990 Buffalo Bills video yearbook. I, I My father had that tape. I've got one of them over here oh, on my bookshelf. God, that's depressing. Almost as depressing as what I feel like social media is going to look like if you all watch that game. I'm suggesting you all shut the TV off, go outside, find something else to do. Cut down a tree, (laughs) cook a steak, change your brakes. (laughs) Do something other than watch the Thursday night football game. And then tune in on Saturday, pay attention to the cutdowns. God knows we will be. We're going to be back here next week. Dr. Kyle Trimble is going to be here to follow up with us on the research that we started together over a year ago about soft tissue injuries in the NFL. Yeah, he's been keeping track this preseason about what's going down with injuries, especially the uh, ACL tears. ACL tears. For those of you who don't know out there, last season for the entire preseason, there were 16 ACL tears across the NFL. We are already in the mid-20s, and the preseason isn't over. This is a, it's a growing epidemic. We're going to be here to talk about it. And just, I mean, it's, it's the most disastrous it's been in recent history. Then, because we're previewing the Jets game, we're going to have our Jets correspondent, Kyle Smith, formerly of the AFC's, AFC's Bros podcast on. That's going to be, that's got to be easily the worst game of week one. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No one's going to be watching the Bills game. Except for the people in New York City and <laughs> Buffalo, New York. I don't even know what the people in New York City, I'm assuming they're going to be watching the Giants. Well, no, because you have two teams. If you look at the schedule, you idiot, they never play at the same time unless they're playing each other. Oh. That's because you're playing in a, Major what, market. nine million people live in the yeah. New York City. 
So they, they'll never play at the same time unless they are playing each other. And then, guys, I'm going to close out our preseason podcast here. I've got a message, something of an editorial that I'm going to give to all of you because I think everyone needs it. I mean, you see this? I am the lunatic Bills fan that you know, you've seen videos of it. You've seen my reactions. You know that I'm a volatile person. Yeah, guys, just shut the podcast off now. You don't want to hear any of this. What I'm going to tell you is I've got a message for you guys, and you're going to want to hear it. So make sure you tune in next week. Also, Beer Watch. Beer Watch. This week we opened it up to Twitter to see what some of our followers thought of, you know, our Beer Watch predictions for this year were going to be. Yep, and I'll tell you, they were some of them were aggressive and some of them were downright insulting. Yep, because uh, us Krugers, we love, we love whiteboards. I have two of them in my apartment. And the one in the kitchen has the uh, Rock Power Report Beer Watch board. 18 weeks, starting next week. Until January 3rd, the podcast after our season ends, because we sure as hell know that we're not making the playoffs. <laughs> and don't worry, Drew. I hey, can, we're making the playoffs. Yeah, I can read all of this. <laughs> I can read all. We have, what do we have? We have one, two, three, well, I guess, four, I, I guess here's what I want to know. We've, like we've got about eight contributors, but here's what I want to know. First of all, the highest. Someone actually, someone actually predicted that Chris and I could drink 399 beers in 18 weeks. That would be my friend Lindsey Dickey. I, I feel like that would kill us. Well, I, I don't look at it as much as a prediction as it is a challenge. <laughs> but then the one that I'm insulted the most about is one of our most frequent listeners, Eric Harris. This, now, last year, we eclipsed 269 total beers over the course of the season. This guy hits us with 261 as his, season, his prediction for this season. That- Do you know who you're talking to? Yeah, Eric, what are we on a diet? <laughs> I you've been listening to us for so long. You're one of our most decorated listeners, and you come at with at us with 261? Oh! It's child's play, sir. It's child's play, sir, and I will see your 261 and I will raise you a few. Uh, yeah, we will Just have a few. We will have 261 definitely before the season. While we have been recording, I did get a text message from your girlfriend. Oh boy. Larissa. This was her this is her initial guess. Cuz I even I said to her like, "Are you sure that's what you want to do?" And then she recanted with a new <laughs> She recanted with a new number. Yes, cuz her original number was 482. <laughs> and, right. and she even broke it down. She said, "Me 230 to your 252." Right. How do I pace with you? That's <laughs> yeah. There's that no is, way you pace with me. That's pacing with you. And then I I went. Are you sure you want to do that? And then she came back with you one sixty, me one thirty six. Still, how do I keep pace with you? No, I, that's, I no. But that's Chris. Uh, I think Chris. I think that she thinks this is a fair distribution of labor as far as the beer drinking goes. That is two ninety six total, which we will put on the board. Larissa Filipski. 296. Folks, make sure you tweet us, you know, email us, get get us your get us your guesses. Just I, I want to see where everyone thinks we can fall this year because I'll one tell of, you, nothing makes me happier than drinking beer and talking sports. One of our guesses that we have on the board, I asked my mother, Donna Kruger, she said 288, and she specifically said that you will drink 200 beers. Well, I will <laughs> I will drink 88. See, I love your mother. She's a saint. So what do you have as a guess? We got we have to do our predictions. My prediction? 
I'm going to say 300 even. 300 on the Nuggets. Chris? I'm going to go with one of the worst bands in the history of music. It's my guess. Oh, no. I am going to go with 311. Because <laughs> 311 is one of the worst bands ever. If you say otherwise, I'll fight you. <laughs> now we do we do have we do have Reed Ferguson here. Reed. Reed Ferguson, folks. Celebrity in the house tonight. What's up, fellas? How many beers do you think Chris and I can tandem drink this year? Uh consider it a challenge. Mm-hmm. Last year was 269. 269, and I picked 69 because I didn't know any other. I knew 200. I was looking for a number in the 60s and 70s, and he said your jersey number was 69, and that's where we landed. Perfect. I'll go 280 this year. 280? All right. All right. See, you're kind of splitting the difference between some of our detractors, some of our... uh, Folks... There's going to be a lot of football talk, a lot of boozing going on over here. You're not going to want to miss it. you got to follow us, though. At Rockpile Report on Twitter, The Rockpile Report on Instagram. You can check us out. Listen, not only us, but there's dozens of other great podcasts, not only covering Buffalo sports, but covering baseball, covering basketball. The Seahawks, covering the Eagles. From, you know, from teams all over the country. Over at GrandstandSportsNetwork.com. I'm going to urge you to go check it out. It's a lot of fun. We kind of built this thing from the ground up. You know, we've been working with Eric Turner from CoverOne.net. It's been it's been a, just so much fun getting to work and collaborate with all these other guys who cover all these different sports. It really is. What are you writing about at the huddle? No, well, that's the thing. The huddle. We're getting ready to uh, launch our la- our last episode, our last episode, last issue of the postseason. Preseason. Jesus Christ, I can't talk. Chris, this Genesee Scotch Ale that you made me drink is god-awful, and it's been screwing up the way I've been saying things all night. Yes. The Jenny Scotch Ale Ugh. has screwed up your it's brain. screwed up my brain. It has, no, it has nothing to do with pure genetics. Pure genetics <laughs> and my inability to speak. Guys, over at the huddle, what we're doing is we, we have another, we're going to have a post-preseason issue that's going to come out, and then we're weekly. It's a web magazine. You guys can get it right on your smartphone, on your tablet, on your computer, anywhere you want. Take it with you on the go. Yeah, and if you don't have a smartphone, kill yourself. Ultimately, what it's going to come down to is we are doing, essentially, there's a whole range of things going on over at the huddle. You've got guys from all over, you know, from uh, Rochester's, what is it, the fan? Yeah. 105. uh, Hashtag sports. From Hashtag Sports, you've got contributors from a ton of different media outlets all over the region who are coming together to essentially bring you guys Buffalo Bills-centered news. It's a free subscription. Go check it out. I'm going to post a link to it in the uh, in the notes for the show, and you can follow them at The Huddle. Okay? They also have The Huddle TV show. At The Huddle on Twitter, at Rock Sports Network, who is the group that sponsors everything and really kind of puts it on the map, Guys, we have a ton of great stuff coming for this season. Make sure you go to our Twitter page and hit the poll as far as who wants to come watch a game live with Chris and I. That's going to be a disaster, but it'll be one of the best. It'll be yeah. like a car crash that you enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> we're, still, we're still working out all the details. On it will the be location. like a car crash that you enjoy. Yeah, Drew's going to be working on the location of that. We've, we've got a place picked out. We're going to work on some things, but, you know, 
I told I told you we got to do this early in the season so people don't bail. So listen, these colors don't run. Okay, and if you, if people can't get behind that, then I don't want to watch a football game with you. And on that note, we've got to get out of here. I'm your host, Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Krueger, and this has been the Rock Power. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.